This is the Prosper Stronger Podcast, a community where LDS women gather to cultivate covenant connections and strive to be devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. Hi, and welcome to the Prosper Stronger Podcast. This is episode one, and we are going to start right at the beginning with this scripture that we've heard over and over again from the Book of Mormon, which is basically in most phrasings, inasmuch or if ye keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. If ye keep not my commandments, ye shall be cut off from my presence. So that is the core or the foundation of where the term prosper stronger came from. And so I want to dive into this a little bit because as I have pondered this over the years, I would say at least four or five years of pondering this scripture, what it means, why it's repeated so often, and why it's so important to us and to God. So I want to dig into this a little bit. In this episode, we are going to be starting at the very beginning. So the very first part says, inasmuch or if you keep my commandments. So we know already this is a conditional statement. And as we study the scriptures, one of the most powerful things we can do is pay attention to conditional statements, the if then or the cause and effect. And this is one of those statements. It is tied to consequences. So we aren't immediately promised that we're going to prosper all the time. This if means that it depends on our choice, our actions, our agency. And so I've, I've thought about that. I thought, okay, all right. So what is he asking us to do? He's asking us to keep the commandments. And that's an interesting thing. I feel like in our world today, we get a lot of different perspectives on commandments and why we have them. And some see them as being restrictive or love me, you wouldn't give me commandments. You let me be free to do whatever I want. But what they're really saying is they want to do whatever they want, or we want to do whatever we want without the consequences. And that isn't the way the world works. It just is a natural law. Our choices have consequences. So this statement of if we keep the commandments, we'll prosper in the land is a very natural and true statement. It teaches us the truth about not just God's laws, but the laws of the universe, the laws of our world here. So I want, I've been thinking about it, and this idea came to my mind. And I know it's going to be silly, and I'm not really an artist at all. So please don't um, judge me on my artistic abilities. I should have hired somebody or got a whiteboard or done a really fancy PowerPoint. But what you've got is me with my paper and my Sharpie, right? So let's think about then commandments, the keeping the commandments. And as I studied, especially last week in Come Follow Me in John, there's love tied to the commandments. We hear that all the time. God loved us, so he gave us commandments. It's hard to get that. He also loved us, so he sent his son. So in my head, I kind of started seeing this image, right? And let me see, I'm going to draw it like backwards. So it's not just drawing, but it's drawing it all kind of backwards for me anyway. So if we have the father here at the top and he's dwelling, I was just kind of put a dot there. We can see that. That is where our heavenly father is. And because he loves us, he wants us to become like him. He wanted to give us everything he has to offer. And we know this, right? As parents, those of you that are parents, we want to give our children all the blessings, all the goodness. We want everything for them. We want them to reach their full potential. We want them to be happy. We want them to be safe. We love them. And that is what we want for them. 
because we love them. And it's the same with our Father in heaven. Because He loves us, He wants us to be able to have all that He has. He wants us to be able to live as He lives in perfection. And so because of that, He created a plan. He gave us an opportunity. He sent us, and I'm going to Here we go here, trying to draw this. If you're just listening, you're not going to see this amazing artwork here. But he sent us down to earth. So what I just drew was like half of a heart. So the top of the heart is where God dwells. The bottom point of the heart is earth or us here on earth. So God sent us here to earth because he loves us. He sent us down here to have these experiences, to have opportunities to grow, to become. He sent us here to learn, and He sent us here to prove whether we would follow Him. So, He sent us here out of love. We also know that we're in a fallen state. We are not perfect. We'll never be perfect, and we live in a fallen world. So, He knew this was part of the plan, and so He sent, let me see if I can touch this, there we go. God loved us, so He sent His Son. So, the other half of the heart is his son, Jesus Christ. So we have the two sides of the heart. God sent us down, and then he sent his son down, both because he loves us. And he sent his son to do two things, to offer us the resurrection, which is redemption from our physical death, and then the redemption from our spiritual death or the gift of repentance, being able to be made whole. And we can see that evidences his love for us. He wants us to return to him and he has provided a way for us through his beloved son, Jesus Christ. This all ties into the plan of salvation. So what does he ask us to do? What do we have to do? He has asked us to choose to follow him. Part of coming to earth included the gift of agency. As a matter of fact, we've heard that the war in heaven was fought over agency. So God, our Father, gave us agency or the freedom to choose when he sent us here down to earth. We now have the choice to receive his will, to do his will. We have the choice to receive what Jesus Christ has offered us through his atonement. Now, our resurrection is a gift given to all. It doesn't require us to choose. It's just given freely. So every person on the earth will be resurrected. That's just a given. But when it comes to our spiritual death, when it comes to being redeemed from our sins, from our sorrows, from our weaknesses, from all the wounds and stains of this world, that is a choice that we make. We have to choose to come unto Christ. We have to choose to follow the commandments that God gave us. We have to use our agency to submit to God's will. And as I've thought about this, it reminded me a bit of a tennis match. I'm not an expert in tennis, but I have played it over the years. And I was thinking about when I'm playing tennis or any other game that is similar, I have to be prepared to receive a serve. So God has given us the gift of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we have to choose whether or not we will receive it. And so when I am ready for tennis and to receive a serve, I'm engaged, right? I have my feet and legs in a good stance. I'm exercising and using my muscles so I'm ready to spring off of them. I've got my weight distributed in just the right way so that I can move quickly toward wherever the ball goes. And I have practiced. I have put effort into knowing how to move, knowing what to do, having those muscles toned and ready so that when that ball is hit over the net, I move toward 
the ball in any sport, volleyball, basketball, whatever it is. My daughter played softball, competitive softball. You just don't stand there and wait for the ball to come to you. You have to move to the ball. And to me, that is what it means to receive the serve, is you move toward where it is, you perform what you have practiced, and you connect with the ball. And that's really what we need to do with the atonement of Jesus Christ. We have to choose to receive by our actions, receive the gift of redemption from our sins, from our wounds, from our sorrows, from our scars, from our uncleanliness. And we do that by daily exercise, by engaging our muscles and strengthening them, by learning and studying the gospel, by practicing it, and being willing to move to the ball or to move toward Christ and connect with Him. And how do we connect with Him? We do it through obedience, through sacrifice, through our covenants, and making them, keeping them, living as He would have us live, praying and studying and learning of Him. That is how we connect to our Savior. And that is part of the if that is part of the conditional of keeping his commandments. So I've already mentioned this, but if ties into our agency. And we know in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if we love Christ, it's simple. What do we need to do? We need to keep his commandments. Then he goes on in verse 21, he says, he or she that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he or she it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him or her. So going back to this drawing idea, if we love the Lord, if we love our father, then we show that by reaching to them, connecting with them, and keeping the commandments. And so what I'm doing right here, if you can't see, is I am drawing an arrow from the bottom of the heart up to the top of the heart or the connection of myself, yourself, of God's children, keeping the commandments to connect back up to the Father. And that arrow points right up to where the Father dwells. So we know that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. So I think about that and I think, okay, what if we change the if to because? Not if to me leaves a lot of room for decision-making for waffling, I guess. And so when I change it to because, it strengthens my desire, it strengthens my commitment, it strengthens my covenant, and helps me keep the commandments. Because I love God, I keep his commandments. I do love God. And when I say because I love him, it allows me and helps me to check myself and see if I really do love him. If I'm showing that by my daily actions, why am I motivated to do the things I do? because I love him, I change what I do. My heart is changed and my actions are changed. So I encourage you to think about it differently. Not if you love me or if you keep my commandments, but because I love him, I keep his commandments. So if we know that, if we love him, then we keep his commandments and we do that by obedience right? I've heard and we know that obedience is the first law of heaven. We know this from our temples. So how then does obedience show love to our Father in heaven? Think about that for a minute. Why am I obedient? It should be because I love him. When I was a child, it wasn't because I loved God. I loved my parents, 
So I tried to be obedient to them. They told me I should read the scriptures. They told me I should say my prayers. And I trusted them. Therefore, I trusted that was the right thing to do. And so I did those things, but it was a lot more like a checklist than a condition of my heart. It wasn't until I got a little older that I started to learn that I did it because I wanted to do it, not because I wanted to check it off. And that wasn't everything all at once. There were some things I did because of that correct motivation in my heart and other things I did because they were a checklist. And I'll be honest, even today, there's still some things I do that are a checklist or that is the initial motivation. And then as I do them more, my motivation changes and it becomes from my heart instead of just a little check mark. So think about that. Why are we obedient? And how does being obedient show God that we love him? I was obedient to my parents because I loved them. I didn't want to cause them stress. I didn't want to cause them worry. I didn't want to disappoint them. So those might be some reasons why we are obedient to our Heavenly Father. But I think it really comes down to love. We love him, so we obey him. We trust him, so we obey him. Now, here's the interesting thing is sometimes we keep the commandments and, and I'll admit I'm guilty of this too. We keep the commandments just because we think we need the blessings. We're like, I'm, I'm going to do it because I want those blessings. I'm paying me tith- my tithing because I want to make sure I have enough to cover my needs, that I have food to eat and clothes to wear and a shelter over my head, right? Or I remember this, if you were super obedient, when we were dating, they would say, oh, the more righteous you are, the more attractive your spouse was going to be, right? We hear all these things. And sometimes that's the motivation too, is I'm just doing because I want the blessings. And that's an interesting thing to me, because as we look at it, and as we study in Mosiah, God is ready to give us blessings all the time. We will receive abundantly of his blessings when we keep his commandments. So the reason I say it's interesting to me is that I used to tie or sometimes would tie just one blessing to each commandment. And now I know that's not the case at all. He pours blessings out on me when I keep his commandments. But it's also interesting because it seems like so often when people talk about commandments, they say they're, oh, they're so restrictive or it's going to hurt me, I guess. They think that somehow it's a negative thing to have to keep the commandments. I have to keep the commandments or I'm being controlled by the commandments. I'm not truly free. And yet we know that when we keep the commandments, he showers blessings on us and gives us more freedom with our agency. For example, when I was a teenager, my dad and well, as a family, we had had a family council and decided on what the curfew was going to be for all of us. And we had a say in it, but we made that decision together. And then that was a rule for our home. And as I kept that rule, my father, and and I keep saying my father, because this is during dating times, my mother had passed away two weeks after my 16th birthday. And so it was mostly my father and I that were dealing with dating relationships. And as I kept my curfew, he learned that he could trust me more and more. And so as I would come to him with questions or ask permission to go do things, the more I kept my curfew, the more often he said yes. And I was free to go do the other things that I wanted to do. He knew and had learned that he could trust me to obey him, that he could trust me to make good choices. And that's really what these commandments are about, is the Heavenly Father's trying to learn if he can trust us. He's trying to prove us to see if we will do what he asks. And if we will learn to use our agency wisely, which means if we will choose to submit to his will, if we will choose to follow him. 
And let's go back to what that means with love. Because as I shared before in that verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. So we show our Father in heaven that we love him by keeping his commandments, which we know. But then again, he says, he that loveth me shall be loved by my Father. Now, we know he loves us anyway. He will always love us. I love all of my children. Nothing is ever going to change that. I will always love my children. But those children that are obedient to me, that respect me, that honor me, we have a different relationship. And that is a different kind of love, a love that is hard to put into words. It's like a mutual understanding. We are more one. And that's truly what we desire to be with our Father in heaven. And that's what He wants us to be with Him. He wants us to come dwell with Him. He wants us to be able to have all that He has. And in order for that to happen, we have to be one. If ye are not one, ye are not mine. So I believe in my own thinking that this idea that He will love us he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. It's that oneness. It's that kind of love that is a oneness. And then it goes on, I and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And again, that says to me, it's that abiding with Christ and him abiding in us. It's a permanence. It's staying with them. It is being one with them. And as we do this, he loves us and he gives us more blessings. So I'm going to add to this heart now. So in Mosiah, we know that if he gives us the commandments, and if we obey and follow the commandments, then he blesses us even more. And so I've drawn another side of the heart and made the heart bigger. In Mosiah, let me turn to that just for a minute. So in Mosiah chapter 2, verse 21, King Benjamin is teaching us about but this love, this connection, this oneness, and our relationship with the Father is about. And he goes deeper into it. Why, if we keep the commandments, why we're still unprofitable servants. That no matter what we do, God is always going to bless us more than we possibly deserve, more than we possibly warrant. That the only good can come from keeping the commandments. So here in verse 21, he says, I say unto you that if you should serve him who has created you from the beginning and is preserving you from day to day by lending you breath, that ye may live and move and do according to your own will, which is agency, and even supporting you from one moment to another, I say, if ye should serve him with all your whole souls, yet you would be unprofitable servants. And behold, all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments." That's it. Keep his commandments. And he has promised you that if you would keep his commandments, ye should prosper in the land. And he never doth vary from that which he has said. Therefore, if you do keep his commandments, he doth bless you and prosper you. So there we have that word again, that prosper. And here we know all he wants to do is bless us. He wants to help us. And that is why he's given us these commandments. However, if we turn over to Mosiah 5, verse 13, he warns us, For how knoweth a man the master whom he hath not served, and who is a stranger unto him, and is far from the thoughts and intents of his heart? So he's giving us that warning. He's commanding us to keep his commandments, but then he's warning us, If you don't, you won't be able to be with me. You won't know me. So we cannot dwell together. So 
Heavenly Father gives us commandments because he loves us. That is the whole point. And we keep his commandments because we love him. Now, why is that necessary? Why? Because he sent us down to earth. Remember, he sent us here to this earth, and it is a fallen earth. We're in a fallen state. And we know again in Mosiah chapter 3, verse 19, that the natural man is an enemy to God. He says, For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I want to stop there because he gives us the commandments. Keeping the commandments is our part. That's what we need to do. But then the other side of the heart again is that he sent the Savior down. It's the atonement of Jesus Christ that is the other part of making it possible for us to return to live with our Father in heaven. So going on, he says, And becometh a saint through the atonement of Jesus Christ the Lord, and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. That's what we're being asked to do. To keep his commandments is to do all of those things. And I always think it's quite interesting that the word used there is willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon us or upon him. Now, I don't think the Lord goes about saying, oh, I'm going to inflict this and inflict that. I'm going to cause all these problems. But what it does say is there is going to be challenges. Life is hard. We are going to feel like we are afflicted. But we know that through Christ, we can overcome the afflictions. We can overcome the world. We can find rest. So I'm not going to go into that a lot, but just again comes back to that trusting in God, trusting in his son and keeping the commandments they have given us. So he gave us commandments for our good. He gave us commandments so that we can safely return back to him. And as I showed before on the heart, as we keep his commandments, He blesses us and prospers us. So we're going to draw again a little more of this heart and showers us, sends those blessings down to us here on earth. All of his love, all of his blessing comes to us through the atonement of Jesus Christ, through keeping the commandments. So he sends this love down to us. So we've got all kinds of hearts and all kinds of love and all kinds of blessings coming here to us in this imperfect world in this fallen state, right? And he does that because he wants us to safely return home to him. How do we do that? How does he help us come safely home? He guides us. He gives us directions. He gives us commandments. He gives us covenants and he provides support and help and shows us the way. I've been thinking about this a lot. Again, I have teenage children or had teenage children. I have one at home that's going to be a teenager. The other three have become adults officially. My third one just became an adult and left home. So um, just came through the teenage years. And as teenagers, one of the most exciting things they get to do is drive, right? I remember when I turned 16, that was the big thing, driving and dating. Okay, both of those things to parents are kind of scary things. I would say really scary things. Letting your children drive and entrusting them to date, scary. We would not send our children out onto the road, hand them the keys to a car, and let them just take off 
if we didn't know that they had practiced, that they had learned the rules of the road, that they knew how to operate the car. That just wouldn't be wise. And it wouldn't be loving if I were to do that, especially if I were to just hand them the keys at any age and not wait till they could see over the steering wheel or had the capacity to even be able to drive a car. If I did that, if I let them just take the keys and go, that would not be a loving thing for me to do as a parent. I make sure that they have practiced and put in all the hours and I've been in the car with them. We've been going through all that it takes to drive a car safely and I correct them as they go and then I let them practice. I have to know that I can trust them in the car before I let them get their license, before they have access to one to actually drive, right? That is the safety piece. And and it's an interesting thing because here in the United States, we have lovely roads, we have lines on the roads, we have lines that mean certain things on the road. We have rules for driving, we have speed limits. We have all kinds of things that help us and restrict us to keep us safe. Just last year, I had the opportunity of going to Egypt and taking my father there, which is a whole nother story. But when we got off the plane, our travel agency, our our group representative from Egypt met us there and we got on a a bus or a small van to take us to the hotel. And this guide was sharing all kinds of interesting facts and information about Egypt. But one of the very first things he wanted to make sure we understood was that the lines on the roads in Egypt, which looked a lot like the lines here in the United States, those lines in Egypt were not considered to be rules. They didn't really have to be followed. They were just kind of suggestions, just guidelines. And he said that to basically excuse the fact that they don't follow them. They don't abide by them. They still drive wherever they want and how they want. And it's like it is in so many, I want to say undeveloped countries, but many are undeveloped. But I know it was this way somewhat in Thailand. I saw it in, well, just in a lot of countries as I've traveled around the world. When the people don't follow the lines, when they don't follow the rules, chaos occurs and the biggest person wins or the biggest vehicle wins. And if you know what I'm talking about, these vehicles are like literally millimeters away from one another. And they're just nudging into the space. And cars get scratched up all the time. It's a miracle more people aren't killed, but they just, it slows everything down. Everywhere you go, it is a blockade. It takes forever to get to where you need to be. As a matter of fact, when we were in Thailand, this was in 1993, I was traveling with the ballroom dance team, the BYU ballroom dance team over there. And we had a police escort everywhere we went, not for safety, but just so we could actually arrive at the destination in a relatively decent time. I can't remember the exact time frames, but I do seem to recall that the performance site that we were going to was really only a few miles away, not that far And it would take us an hour or two hours to get there, even with the police escort. I mean, it was crazy. And Heavenly Father doesn't want us to travel that way in this earth life. He wants us to progress. He wants us to progress quickly. He wants us to arrive at our destination, which is to dwell with Him. He wants us to arrive there safely and not, I wouldn't say, I don't want to say quickly thinking that, you know, He's anxious for us to pass away, but He wants us to progress there 
to continue in our progression toward him and not be stalled. He doesn't want us to be blocked or in bondage or, like we would say, damned, because to be damned is to have no more progress. So all of this is to try and get back again to reiterate the point that the covenants and commandments are there because he loves us. They are there to help guide us back to him because he has everything in store for us. All that he offers is glorious. As a matter of fact, Alma uses the term eternal bliss. I don't know about you, but I would not use bliss to describe most of the things in my life. But eternal bliss sounds beyond anything I can possibly imagine. It sounds amazing. So why wouldn't I want that? Why wouldn't I want to keep those commandments? Why wouldn't I? And yet here we are in this fallen world and Satan is working so hard to distort things and deceive us and to convince us that commandments are restrictive, that he's forcing us to keep them. And so that's the next thing is that Heavenly Father does not force us. He gives us agency. He gave us agency and he honors our agency. As I study the scriptures, as I listen to the words of the prophets, as I look at my own experiences and those of my loved ones, and from my parents' teachings, I have learned that the Lord will not interfere with our agency. He treats it as sacred. He knows that it is critical that he does not force us to do anything. He will teach us. He will explain to us. He will show us the way. But when it comes right down to it, the choice is ours. And I was actually thinking about this as well. When I was young, I would suck my thumb and nothing my parents did could get me to stop sucking my thumb. They tried everything. And I remember one in particular, they painted this nasty stuff on my thumb, trying to get me to stop. It tasted so bad. I honestly can't even think of what I would compare it to. It was and had to have been probably the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. And they were guaranteed that if they would paint this nasty tasting stuff on my thumb, that eventually I would stop. I would just stop sucking my thumb because I hated the taste of that so badly. But it didn't work. I was determined. And I would just continue to suck on my thumb until that taste was gone. I suffered through it. I uh, crinkled up my nose and just kept going until it was all gone. And then I could just suck my thumb as long as I wanted again. And they did this over and over again. It never worked. It never worked. And I sucked my thumb until I was five years old. And my parents were getting really worried because it was time for me to go to school. And they knew that I could not go to school and suck my thumb. If I did that, I would be mocked. I would be hurt. It would not be a healthy or safe environment for me. I would be wounded. It would put me in a bad position. So they had to do something. And they offered, so they came up with this plan and they made a bargain with me. They said, if you will stop sucking your thumb, we will buy you a bike. Not just any bike, a beautiful bike, a pink bike. It was a Schwinn bike and they were all the thing. And not only that, a pink bike with a banana seat. Do you remember the banana seats? I mean, banana seats, you could fit more than one person on there. And they were just so good looking, those banana seats. And you could, you have all the space in the world and they were comfortable. At least that's what a five-year-old thought because, you know, my neighbor had a banana seat bike and it was awesome. 
But this one that they were going to buy for me was even better because the banana seat wasn't just the plain old black color. It was white with pink flowers all over it. I mean, hello, angels singing. It was the ideal pink bicycle for a five-year-old. Amazing. And if I would just stop sucking my thumb, they would buy me that bike. They had promised me the world because, you know, with a bike at five, I could go anywhere. I could go up the street and down the street. I could do it with my friends. I could ride up the hill and come down super fast. I had freedom with a bike. They had offered me freedom. They had offered me everything that I wanted in that bike, but they didn't force me. They let me know the choice was mine. They also let me know that there was a time limit, that I couldn't wait till I was 20. At that point, the bike was off the table. There was a time limit in which I had to choose. And I look back now and I so appreciate the lesson that they taught me with the bike, with my choice. They were so good at helping me understand the consequences and both the positive and the negative, and then giving me the choice. And that's really what Heavenly Father does for us. We have it all through the scriptures. If we keep his commandments, we'll prosper in the land. If we don't keep his commandments, we'll be cut off from his presence. And on and on and on. There's so much more I could share, and we probably will at some point. But he's told us we have the freedom to choose. We are free to choose eternal life or eternal torment. Which one do you want? What are you going to choose? Well, looking back the bike, I chose the bike. My dad tells me that once I had that choice, when they had given me the choice, I thought about it. I determined that I was done sucking my thumb and that the bike was worth making that change in my life. And I never sucked my thumb again. He used this quote all the time. He had us memorize it. There is no fate, no chance, no destiny that can circumvent, hinder, or control the firm resolve of a determined soul. And to me, I then determined that I was not ever again going to suck my thumb. I determined that I wanted that bike, that I wanted that freedom. And that is where my heart was. And that is what I believe Heavenly Father is asking of us to determine fully in our hearts that we will keep His commandments, that we covenant with Him, and we will keep our end of the promise because we know and can trust that He will keep His. And all that He has offered us is far more than a pink bicycle with a banana seat with flowers all over it. He has offered us everything. There is absolutely nothing in this world, nothing that Satan can offer us, nothing at all that can even come close to comparing to what God offers us, what our Heavenly Father offers us. But it is tied to our agency. It's tied to love. Agency can only operate when we have a choice. And we can only have a choice when there are consequences, positive and negative. Therefore, He gives us commandments. Commandments give us the opportunity to exercise our agency, to prove to our Father that we are fully covenanted, we are fully committed, we are fully converted to Him with a determination to stay true, to always follow Him. We know we won't always be able to do it, and therefore He gave us our Savior. And do you know, 
back in John chapter 14, where he gave us a commandment, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he also teaches more about the connection of love and commandments. I actually jotted down how many times the word love was used in chapter 14 and 15. It was 20 times. And then commandments, it was, I'm I'm going from memory here, I believe it was either 11 or 15. And then keep was eight. I mean, these are all tying together. So back in John chapter 14 is also where we have the scripture about if we keep the commandments, then he will love us and abide with us and manifest himself to us. Then he goes on in verse 23, if a man or woman love me, they will keep my commandments or keep my words and we will love him and my father will love him or her and we will come unto him and make our abode with him or we will abide and abide needs to stay forever. I love that. But he's teaching about this connection of love, connection of commandments, and he's teaching about the gift of the Holy Ghost, as well as his atonement. So then we get to verse 31 of chapter 14. And he says, tells us why, why he atoned for us. He said, but that the world may know that I love the Father And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. So Heavenly Father didn't just give us commandments. He gave Jesus Christ, His beloved Son, the commandment to atone for our sins. And because Christ loved His Father, He kept that commandment. Because He loved us, He kept that commandment. And so when we show Heavenly Father our love, as we keep our covenants, as we continue to return unto Him through obedience, we will eventually be able to dwell here in the eternities with our Father in heaven and with Jesus Christ and abide in their love and their love with us for eternity. This is why He gives us commandments, and this is why we keep them. It is all connected, all because of love. And one more thing, it's also because he has to know he can trust us with all that he will give us. He will give us all of his power, everything, all knowledge, all love, all freedom, all liberty to act. And he has to know that we will act righteously. This is huge. He is trying to prove us and we are trying to prove to him. That is why we had to come to earth. That is why we have the commandments. He has to know if we will choose him. I think back to, um, or I shouldn't say I think back, I've pondered on our pre-mortal existence and this role of agency and commandments. I don't think, well, I know it would not have worked if he had not given us commandments. If he hadn't made this plan and sent us here, we have to have commandments. Otherwise, there's no point in us coming here to earth. Because then in the pre-mortal life, what he could have done is just said, well, you, he could have randomly chosen. You get to go to the celestial kingdom and you don't. I just choose. I choose for you. Not a big deal, right? And I look back and think, for me, it would have been a big deal. I voted. I agreed to the plan because I wanted the choice, which means I wanted the commandments. I wanted him to help me know how to get back. I wanted the covenant path. I needed his help because frankly, If it had just been done by a lottery, I would have lost. We all think, oh, if he'd chosen randomly, I still would have been chosen. It would have been me. I could have gone to the celestial kingdom. I wouldn't have had to go to the 
go to earth. I just could have gone there. But that would not have been my case. I am not one of those people that win things. I never, well, I shouldn't say never. I can count on one hand how many times if I participated in a raffle or had any opportunity to win anything, one hand in, a, in 50 years, how many times I've actually won. My uncle, on the other hand, wins all the time. If his name was in the dish, that's the name that was going to be pulled out. He was winning all the time. It got, as a matter of fact, to the point where sometimes I would put his name in instead of mine, just thinking it was lucky that way, but um, never quite worked. So randomness, chaotic, random choices of the Lord or of Heavenly Father saying, you go here, you go there, would never have worked for me. And I'm guessing it never would have worked for you either. We wouldn't have liked it. So now that we're here on earth, why would we revolt against commandments? Why would we rebel against covenant? We chose it. We want it. We need them. We need the commandments. We need the covenants. God gave them to us out of love. He gave them to us to honor our agency. So it's those two things. It's love and agency. And together, they can bring us back to him if we choose to use them wisely. So we're back to that if, to that conditional statement. If you keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And if you keep my commandments, you shall prosper. That's the promised blessing. It all makes sense. I feel like everything is wrapped up in this one scripture that I've memorized. I've tried to have my children memorize because to me, it really says it all. And it is in Mosiah chapter 2, verse 41, and says, And moreover, I would desire that you should consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, both temporal and spiritual. And if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven, that thereby they may dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. Oh, remember, remember that these things are true, for the Lord God hath spoken it. Let's remember and look and work to receive and connect with God so that we can live in that state of never-ending happiness. So next time, on the next episode, we're going to talk more about this idea of prospering in the land and what is the land, what does it mean for us, and how does it tie into the prosperity, the idea of prosperity. I'm grateful that you joined me today. I hope you know and hopefully I haven't drilled this point too much, but you could probably tell I'm very passionate about this. It breaks my heart that so many people see commandments as being restrictive when truly they are a gift from God. Truly, they are a blessing. And our covenants are an extension of those commandments. Our baptismal covenant, the thing we promise is that we will keep His commandments. It's right there every week, every day. It's so crucial to our joy. It's so crucial to our connection with our Father in Heaven, our connection to Christ. It's so crucial to our eternal salvation, which is what Heavenly Father says is His work and His glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of His children. This is why it matters. So change that if to because. Let your heart change toward the commandments if it needs to. Learn to love them. Learn to lean into them choose to follow Christ and keep his commandments that you might prosper. And sorry for getting so passionate. 
so many things about this, but obviously there's a purpose in it. So I hope you'll trust me and I hope you'll join me in the next episode. If you want to know more, go ahead and go to prosperstronger.com where I have some free resources for you and you can join the community there. We can connect outside of the podcast. There's some great things coming. I'm very excited about some of what we have to offer. So if you want to know a little more, go to prosperstronger.com and then hopefully we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining the Prosper Stronger podcast today. We hope that you have felt inspired and empowered. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. I also invite you to join me at prosperstronger.com where you will find free resources to help you grow and learn as well as join in our discussions where we go deeper into some of the things that we talk about here on our podcast. Remember that you are loved and cherished by Heavenly Father who wants you to prosper and thrive. Until next time, may you continue to cultivate covenant connections with God, with others, and with yourself, and find strength in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 